Hey everybody, welcome back to Free Indeed. This is the podcast where we get into the word, have lots of fun, tackle tough questions, and everything in between. So stay tuned as we get into today's special Easter episode. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for joining me today. And uh, sorry, I've been a little AWOL lately. We had a vacation last week. I was on vacation, and before that, I had a uh, back injury, actually, that I was recovering from. So thank you to all of you who are praying for me and being there for me. I'm doing a lot better now, praise the Lord, and feeling better and ready to get back in the saddle, as it were. So on today's episode, I wanted to really get in tune with what is Easter all about. And today we had a great service at church, and the Lord is so faithful. I had been asking for an encouraging word, and as you know, ministers need encouragement as well. And the very reason one can minister is just out of the abundance of the encouragement, the strength, Uh, revelation, everything they receive from the Lord. You know, the reason someone can minister is because they have received so much from God. So there's a word at church about how we, as as people, even people of God, can see our sins like an ocean. And the sister that had the word, it it was really great. Uh, And I I love that she was bold enough to get up and, and share. And she said, the Lord says that you know, we see an ocean, think that our sin is like a deep ocean, but God says his ocean of forgiveness is deeper. His He sees his ocean of forgiveness. And it was a really great word and a great reminder about this season. Because the special thing about Easter is not just the resurrection, as awesome as that is, but even the ascension. Because once Jesus ascended back to the Father in heaven... He left the body of Christ, the church, in charge of fulfilling the rest of his mission. And that is so special and important. Now, when I say fulfilling the rest of the mission, I'm talking about having the opportunity and the grand uh, pleasure and responsibility of preaching the word, teaching the word, spreading the gospel about Jesus Christ. Uh, Like he said, preach to every creature this word. So I'm actually going to take a little bit of a different approach today. You know, if you're looking to read the scriptures uh, that talk about the resurrection, you know, the crucifixion of Jesus, um, you know, you can find that in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And of course, it's woven throughout the, the New Testament as well. But I wanted to talk about the completion of Easter or Resurrection Sunday. Because the whole point of Jesus coming to the earth was not just to teach us how to be nicer, to teach us how to be a little more loving, a little more forgiving. It's so much more than that. He came to enact a whole new relationship with God, a whole new way of relating to God. And we miss it so many times, even in the church. And and even to this day, I have to stay very on top of making sure I'm hearing truth, the, the word of truth being rightly divided, 
like the Bible says, uh, teaching and preaching that is very accurate, very encouraging, and not anything that produces a mixture. Because where you have mixture, you're going to have uh, a twisted outcome of doctrine, and you're not going to be quite sure where you stand with the Lord. And like I mentioned on the pilot of this podcast way back, you know, hearing teaching and mixture, I, you know, heard a lot of that growing up and in a lot of the denominationalized, uh, established local houses that we call churches, you're going to hear a lot of mixture. And I'm not just painting with a broad brush. Uh, that's just a matter of fact. And there are some, you know, established churches out there that may be technically up under the umbrella of some denomination, but whoever they have at the helm of that church is just, you know, knocking it out of the park. Maybe they have a great revelation of grace and a great revelation of this new way to relate to God through Jesus and not through ourselves. He is the mediator of the new covenant, the Bible says, and talks about it in Hebrews. And the fact is, is we're not under a system anymore of having to perform in order to deserve. And praise Jesus for that, because I suck at that, and I would never be able to stand before God on my own. I have nothing to offer God. I already know that. And if we're all going to be honest, we could look at ourselves and say, honestly, what do I have to offer an eternal, holy, powerful God? I got nothing, but I, I can offer myself. I, you know, I, here I am, if you want to use me somehow for something. And that's all he wants. He just wants your heart. He just wants you. And he's such a good God, such a loving God. You know, in um, in Revelation, it talks about the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, and referring to Jesus. And the Bible says, and, uh, you know, John the Baptist sees and says, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He took away not just that world at the time, but now too, because he left the job of preaching the gospel to the apostles he had with him at that time. And then they passed down the message later and so on and so on generations later. And Jesus said, this is for all who would believe for generations later that would believe these words. And I wanted to touch on my two favorite verses of all time. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 10 and 14. Verse 10 says, and by that will, meaning the will of God, this is the will of God, that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all, not through our endless confessions not through our right living, not through our good deeds. And yes, it's good to do good things. I'm not preaching against those things. But what I am preaching against is thinking that you can do enough good things that somehow now you're going to be accepted before God. That's law. That's legalism. And Jesus came to enact a whole new covenant so we could be free of that. And let me tell you, I live more holy I do more consistent good for the Lord and, and just in general when I'm living from a place of confidence and knowing who I am in him and not questioning my salvation or not questioning my validity to him at all. It, you cannot have power where there's no joy and you can't have joy where there's no confidence and you can't have confidence where there's no assurance and you can't have any assurance where there's no truth. So we have to know as Christians right now, and the, in these latter days, who are we? What are we doing? How do we really relate to God? And Easter, to me, as I've just, you know, and it's sad to say only the last several years has it really taken shape for me. Have I really 
gotten a better revelation. I grew up, of course, and we celebrated, oh, Jesus rose from the dead. But can I be honest and tell you as a kid that, uh, you know, I never, I never got it. Uh, as a kid, I, 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 okay, cool. Jesus rose from the dead. But as a kid in my little mind, I just, you know, I was taught to believe that, yes, that's awesome and this and that. But I really don't remember ever having like a Sunday school teacher teaching why it's so awesome and good for us. Only in the last, you know, 10 plus years, through some really anointed teaching from uh, grace-based ministers like Joseph Prince, Andrew Womack, James Barron, and the list goes on and on. Um, have I gotten a revelation and being able to understand for quite a while now that the reason it's so awesome is because him raising from the dead and ascending to the father means that this new covenant is now in place. You know, most of us in the Western church, we, it wouldn't cross our minds ever to, Oh, I sinned. I got to go grab a bull somewhere and slaughter it and, you know, offer it to God as a sin sacrifice. We, that's not even really in our in our library of thinking. But what we will do is, you know, beg, oh, God, forgive me. Oh, God, forgive me. Beg for forgiveness, this and that. And and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you, you can go. God's a real person. Go to him. You can say you're sorry. You can say, God, I'm so sorry. Do this. Please forgive me. But you got to know you're already forgiven, number one. And number two, you got to know that no matter how you feel, and, and me, just like a lot of other people, it, sometimes it can be hard to push the feelings aside and say, despite how I feel, I have to go with what God's word says. I have to continue to believe that I have been sanctified, which means to be made holy. And the Greek is hagiazo. I believe I'm saying it correctly. If I'm not, forgive me. <laughs> uh, it, which means to be sanctified and, and made holy. Being sanctified uh, is, is to be made holy. And for once and for all, through the body of Jesus, not through my confession, not through my uh, repentance and this and that. Now, repentance is a good thing. We, I need to change my mind about sin. We all do. We all need to say, hey, if this isn't right, I need to stop. That's repentance right there saying, you know what? Okay, yeah, that's not good. I'm going to stop that. That's repentance. Repentance means to change your mind. In the Greek, is metanoia. And meta, which means change. Naus is mind. When you put it together, a changed mind. And of course, if you have done that, eventually a changed mind will lead to changed behavior for all of those that are still really hung up on just what you do and not necessarily the inward change in the heart. Uh, repentance does begin on the inward change of the heart and actions will follow. Just like planting a seed, you know, uh, we all, we're all very familiar with how the word of God is like a seed, seed time and harvest. You so you know, and especially these days, it's really popular in teaching and preaching, oh, sow a seed for this, sow a seed for that. And not just monetarily, but just, you know, oh, you're sowing seed by sowing your time, this and that. And those are all true examples. But just like, uh, just like that, repentance is like sowing a seed. Uh, for all of you that may, may have an experience like mine where there's plenty of things where I repented of immediately, you know, uh, but maybe it took a few years before the fruit started to finally show. And, uh, it's awesome when someone gets saved and born again and there's an immediate change and they're immediately free of all the things they do and they live just a sanctimonious little life after that and that's wonderful. Uh, but for most of us, it's a process over time, over years. And, you know, the one encouraging thing is just, you know, like a, a big oak tree, you know, those slow growers, those kinds of trees or or maybe you think of your favorite plant. Uh, that maybe takes a long time before it's fully mature or before you can fully enjoy it. 
those slower growers usually are the strongest, the sturdiest, and last a lot longer. So take take some encouragement with that. And let me go ahead and get back to uh, the next verse in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. It says, By a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And verse 15, And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I remember their sins and lawless deeds no more. Verse 18, Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Jesus, um, this is me now, Jesus was our final offering for sin. He was the final offering. I'll say it again. Let it really sink in, even if you need to pause it after I say this. Jesus was your final, ultimate offering for all your sin and wrongdoing, once and for all, for your past, for whatever you're struggling with right now, whatever silly thing you may do in the future. Jesus was your final, ultimate end offering for everything. Okay? So let that really sink down in your heart. This is for me too today. Because even even recently, you know, this is a podcast where we're all transparent with each other, right? <laughs> you know, and, and being a minister, if anything, uh, you've got a bigger target on, on your back. And, and we're not immune to the enemy's attacks. Uh, there's times where, you know, the fight goes on. Paul talked about the good fight of faith. The fight just gets started when you get born again. And especially if you decide to go to seminary. And especially if you decide to actually put that degree in biblical training to use. Man, it's like a glow-in-the-dark uh, target for the enemy. And he's got an endless supply of darts that he will uh, throw at you. And that's why we take up the shield of faith. But, you know, even in recent times, and there's seasons where everything's good, you're just smooth sailing, and then there's seasons where you have to say, Lord, if this is really you, let, tell me to walk on these waters. <laughs> but the, the awesome thing is he always says, come. And as long as we keep our eyes on him and what he has said and what he has done, then we can walk on those waters. We can walk on those waves. So don't pay attention to the waves of defeat. Don't pay attention to the waves of your own personal failures, your own personal past. Don't pay attention to those waves. Pay attention to your Savior who is standing on top of them and saying, none of this matters. I supersede all this. I'm on top of all of this. And if you'll keep your eyes on me, you can walk and get over it too. Through the power of Jesus, you can get over it because he's already over it. I like how Lawson Purdue up there in Colorado talks about uh, he has a great book. Here's a little here's a little uh, advert for him. Lawson Purdue, Hebrews, A Better Covenant. That's the name of the book. Hebrews, A Better Covenant. And one of the things that really blessed me, and it's really short, easy to read, by the way. Uh, you can look it up online. Anyway, one of the main things that stood out to me, I love how he, he's a, he's a man of action. I love how he gets really passionate. If you ever want to look him up and, and listen to his teachings and preachings, too. Um, he says, Jesus got over your sins 2000 years ago. It's time for you to get over it too. And that was powerful. And that really blessed me when I read it. And I would definitely recommend any, um, affiliated ministries to, uh, Karis Bible college or Andrew Walmack ministries. Uh, he, he's just surrounded with really great ministers and ministries that are of like mind that know how to rightly divide the word of truth. Amen. So in, in here in Hebrews 10, it just, you know, touches home for all of this about our forgiveness. And 
the Bible says here in uh, verse 18, where there's forgiveness of these, there's no longer any offering for sin. Verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, what? We can have confidence as a believer? Yeah. If you're really trusting in Jesus, you should have confidence. And this is not, oh, you know, here's another checklist on your Christian performance. Where's confidence? You know, we need to get you a confidence so you can check that off. Please don't look at any of this like a check mark. I used to do that, and it's hard because it's easy to do that, to hear a message and, oh, okay, something else I got to do. Now I got to be confident on top of all of this. No, no, no. It's not a checklist. It's, hey, this is what it should be producing. And even if it isn't, Spend spend time with the Lord. Ask Him why. What it, here? Here's something I want to that I received in prayer training. I want to do for you right now. So just breathe and say, Lord, what are the lies I'm believing right now that are keeping me from ABC? Whatever it is in your life that you know you're not. You see it in the Word. You see according to the New Testament Christianity, you're supposed to be having this, that, or the other, and you're not having this, that, or the other. You're having the knockoffs of it, or you're not having anything. Ask God and get a spiral notebook and, and and prepare to take maybe a little time, maybe make a cup of coffee and sit down and say, okay, Lord, show me what are the lies that I'm believing that is keeping me from being confident. For example, we'll just use confidence for an example. What are the lies that I'm believing that is not letting me be confident and see what comes to mind. God, a lot of times will come to you, speak to you in a thought. So go somewhere where your mind can be at ease, turn the radio off, turn TV off, turn the podcast off if you have to, <laughs> and or if listening to some background music or something helps kind of relax your mind, whatever helps you get into a state where you can kind of just receive, and you'll know it too, you know, it'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, that's that's true, I this is what I've been thinking, this is how I've been feeling, yeah, I can see where that would steal my confidence. And then ask God, after you've asked him, what are the lies I'm believing that's keeping me from confidence? Say, what is the truth that you want to replace that with? And then be ready to hear something really good from the Lord. And he'll probably tell you something, you know, if you're already a believer, he's probably going to remind you, you know, like he does with me. Hey, you, you, you're, you're a sanctified, beloved child of God. You need to, you need to really believe it. You need to really receive that now and hold on to that. It may be something like that, but be open to however God speaks to you. So it says, verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean, from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Amen. So I'm going to stop there and... I know some that maybe were following along may say, oh, wait, wait, what about going on sinning willfully? <laughs> I'll say it like this, and this is this can be an episode for another time, and I've already I've pretty much covered this before in previous episodes, but like Andrew Farley says, every sin is willful and Jesus died for all sin. 
Let that be your confidence, honestly, because old school religious teaching will find obscure passages or fearful passages and put the spotlight on those because, you know, maybe their intentions are, are good. They want the church to live holy, but here's, here's a reminder. Here's a newsflash. No minister, including myself is the Holy spirit. There's one Holy spirit and you ain't it. Okay. And this, I'll say this to the most prestigious minister out there. There's one Holy spirit and you're not him. Okay. I'm not him. You're not him. Nobody else is him. He's the comforter. And any message that is producing a lack of comfort and leaving you with the cliffhanger feeling spiritually, get out. Do not stay there. Do not continue to listen there. I promise you, if their minister is ministering like that, they themselves do not have a solid hope and confidence. And they themselves are wondering at the end of the day, am I going to make it? I can say this because I used to be like that. I might have a revelation here or there, be able to to preach a little good message, but used to I used to wonder at the end of the day if I'd make it. You know? And praise God now I know, you know, known for a long time now. But if if there's any message that likes to highlight those fearful messages, you gotta ask yourself, first of all, uh, why would a minister want to make this kind of message and leave people on a cliffhanger or stir up any kind of doubt or, or confusion or second guesses. We're called to, like the Bible just said there in that, that verse, we're supposed to stir up one another with love and good works. We're supposed to encourage one another, not discourage, not sow doubt or disbelief. All sin is willful. You do not accidentally end up in someone else's bed. You do not accidentally go to uh, the bar. You do not accident whatever you want to put in there. Every sin has to have an element of your will in it or else it's not going to happen. And Jesus died for all sin. Jesus died for all willful sin, all sins of commission, all sins of omission for those that like to, uh-huh, what about those sins? You know, <laughs> all the, the, the sin of uh, knowing to do good and not doing it. All means all. And I'm telling you, if Jesus didn't die for all of our sins, then he didn't die for any of them. Because if one category of sin was left untouched and was left up to us to somehow produce our own righteousness by living right enough, we still couldn't do it. It's, it's still impossible. It's like having one more monster to take down and you're not equipped at all, but somehow it's up to you. It would be impossible like that. So Jesus took care of it all. And I've shared before and I'll share more later in the future about the will of God, how it's, the will of God is to believe on the one whom he sent. If you believe Jesus, if you believe God who sent Jesus, then you have the Father, you have the Son, you have the truth, you are saved, you do not come into condemnation, you've already passed from death into life. But we complicate it. Some ministers, some churches complicate it. Well, what about this? What about that? Well, you know, at this point, I got to say, you're either going to agree with Jesus or you're going to be pompous and arrogant and think that you found some backdoor to what he said. And if you want to do that, well, good luck. You're on your own. I hope I hope you make it. I hope you come around to full faith knowing that it's all Jesus and Jesus plus nothing. Not Jesus plus your good works. Not Jesus plus keeping the commandments. 
Did you know there's 613 laws? Apparently, I don't have time to study all that. I don't have time to to try to make sure I'm not you breaking one of the 613, including the Big Ten Ten Commandments. <laughs> None of us has enough time to study that all day and make sure you're not doing this, that, or the other. And uh, like uh, Jim Baker says up at Zion Christian Fellowship, you know, if you're all about keeping all the laws, then are you keeping the Feast of Sukkot? Probably everybody hearing this didn't even know there was a feast called the Feast of Sukkot. <laughs> and uh, I, I honestly forgot. I think I heard about it one time in Bible school one time or something. And I love how he always brings that up to points. Like, are you keeping the Feast of Sukkot? And I'm like, uh, no. Because <laughs> did you know there's some commandments that it's all about you keep this celebration. You have to celebrate at this certain time. You have to be accurate. Man, I, I don't have the energy or time or wherewithal to keep up with all that. You know, so praise God. He it's it, there's so much more than just not sinning. There's so much more to your relationship with the Lord than just not sinning, not sinning, not sinning. And if you're always thinking about that, then what are you always thinking about? Your mind is always sin conscious. Like you just read uh, there in, in the in the Bible to have our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. The word evil there is really talking about a sin consciousness. And Andrew Walmack has a great teaching on that. If you want to go YouTube it. And if you're always sin conscious, thinking about don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, oh, repent, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, repent, repent, don't sin, repent. And it's just this this tiring cycle of don't sin, repent, because I sinned. All right, and I'm going to try not to sin again, Lord. Oh, messed up. All right, Wednesday night, I'm going to go confess and go cry my eyes out again and hope God forgives me. You know, it, it's just an exhaustive thing. And we can't do enough mental gymnastics to to uh, please yourself in order to make you comfortable and peaceful again and feel confident again. You really can't. It takes a revelation from the Holy Spirit. It takes understanding and knowing what the Word says about who you are in Christ now. The Bible says, My people perish for lack of knowledge. You can't have faith outside of knowledge. Now, there are there is special faith. There, the faith there's the gift of faith where God just like lights a match on your heart and you're like, man, I know, you know, this is for me. I know God loves me. And there's moments like that. But you got to search the scriptures to know what belongs to you in the New Testament. And uh, like when the Bible says, too, about all the blessings of Abraham come upon the Gentiles. Well, go back and see everything that God promised to Abraham. And you'll see anytime there's a blessing in the word as a Christian, it belongs to you. There's healing. There's biblical prosperity, not the... Uh, I, I speak a yacht into my future. So I'm, you know, get ready. Here comes the yacht. No, I'm talking about sensible, actually makes sense kind of prosperity. Uh, for example, you know, getting a house when you're in the market for a house and God finally, uh, blesses you and you find a, a good house to start with. That's, that's a good step forward into prosperity, you know, anyway, so I don't want to get off track, but today's message was going to be about mainly understanding the meaning of Easter. And and the one thing I love that Paul talks about in Galatians is the simplicity of Christ. We celebrate Easter. This is why we celebrate Easter. We're celebrating the start of the final way to relate to God. And the only way to relate to God now, which is through Jesus, through his sacrifice, through his resurrection, and the fact that because of what he did through his body, 
we don't have to perform the same thing in our body. We don't have to punish our body because his body was punished for us. We don't have to live perfectly, sinfully, uh, uh, sinlessly perfect, sinless perfection, because he lived that way for us. We get all the benefits, all the blessings that he deserved through his credit. Just like it wasn't fair, or maybe maybe to our natural minds, wouldn't make sense for him to become sin on the cross. The Bible doesn't say, oh, he just took our sins. And he did, but even more so, he became our sin. He literally changed from what he was to something he had never been before. That way we can change from what we were to something we were never before, which was a perfectly acceptable child of God. And there's no way we would have ever earned it or deserved it on our own merit or our own behaviors and, and deserving of it. We could never have deserved it. It was the great exchange, the great swap and praise the Lord for it. And and what what blesses me even more is that God in his word talks about how finding fault with the old covenant. God didn't like having to deal with people under the old covenant. God actually, believe it or not, and this is from the word, you can read it in the New Testament. I believe it's actually there in Hebrews as well. I uh, don't remember what chapter right now, so I'm sorry. But please just look it up. You're going to enjoy reading Hebrews anyway. Start at the first chapter and read through. Easy read. Um, but God says there in Hebrews, finding fault. And if there was no, uh, if the first covenant was perfect, he would not have sought to see to establish a second one. So for for you, if you're wanting to, you know, try to live according to the old rules and regulations, you know, you're you're going back to something God's already tossed away. And now I'm not saying God has tossed away the Old Testament. I'm not talking about the whole Old Testament. I'm talking about the old uh, system of law where you had to go through a priest and the priest had to do yearly sacrifices and weekly sacrifices and monthly and the special feasts and the special celebrations. And every time you sin, you had to go personally offer turtle doves or whatever. God did not want it to be that way. God wanted a gracious open door policy. He wanted you to be able to go right to him, have a relationship directly with him through Jesus. Just like Adam and Eve had in the garden, they, God walked with them in the cool of the day. They didn't know what a sacrifice was. What's that? What does that word mean? What does sin mean? You know, they, before they ate the fruit and the fall of man happened, they, they just related directly to God. The, the way of a law of the law and all these feasts and this and that would, would have been totally foreign to them, would not have made one lick of sense because they had direct access to God. Now in the New Testament, we have that and better because Adam and Eve were not new creations. They were the first, but they weren't, they weren't new. They didn't have the spirit of Christ in them just yet. They weren't made new in his likeness in the spirit. They weren't made one in the spirit with God. We have so much more. So don't let the devil trick you. Don't let him make you feel like you're only as good as the sum total of your mistakes. Look at Jesus and look at his love for you. And, and remember, do that exercise I shared with you earlier. Ask God whatever lies that you may be believing that's limiting you from living in the joy, the peace, the confidence that you should have. And then ask God, what is the truth I should be believing instead? 
and write it down. It may seem like the most simplest word, like, duh, I know that. Well, write it down anyway and see how it blesses you if you actually start actively believing that instead of just saying, oh, yeah, I know that. Let's move on to something bigger. It could be that the one thing that you think you need to move on from is foundational. And actually, although simplistic, it could be the most powerful. The Bible talks about in Psalms, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The devil is always going to attack the foundation of your faith because if he can do that, he can make the rest of the tower fall over. So make sure your foundations are correct. Don't build on top of, well, I got to do this and live right or else God won't accept me. What about, and I've talked about this before, what about preaching the gospel? There is that moment of contact where a non-believer who is lost and dead apart from God has to believe and then become born again. Why do you think we get less grace on the other side of it? There's, it's not a bait and hook or bait and switch operation. No. We have already received as believers, we've already received and stepped into what was promised to you to begin with, what you believed was part of the package. You've already stepped into it. So why now that we're supposed to be somewhere enjoying the package and all the benefits, do we start thinking we, we have less than somebody who is just now having the gospel preached to them for the first time? You know, we're so quick to do that, to point the finger to each other when we mess up, but we'll go out in such love and gen- grace and gentleness to somebody who's lost. Oh, let me tell you, Jesus loves you. Well, why don't we continue that message? The Bible says in uh, goes to Galatians 6. Um, Paul talks about, you know, if you see a brother who's over overtaken in a sin, not just somebody who stumbles occasionally, because we all do. James says we all stumble in many ways. He, he, Paul says somebody who is overtaken in a sin, go restore him and do it with the spirit of love and gentleness. These days, you know, we, we'll, we'll talk about someone behind their back or we'll just really rake them over the coals <clears throat> and we don't rest- a lot of times we don't restore someone in a spirit of love and gentleness because we're so caught up with oh now that you're a believer you can't make a mistake and so anyway i say all that to say you know obviously i'm not against living right we all should live right uh, but remember if, if you do see a brother or sister stumbling remind them of easter remind them of what jesus has done because there's something somewhere that they're probably not believing right, or there's some doubt or disbelief that the enemy has slipped in there and has destroyed their confidence, and they don't feel accepted by God, so it it makes it hard for them to relate, and then so they go off and do something maybe that's not good. And as long as they're willing to listen, preach the grace to them, preach the gospel to them, you know? And I hope today has encouraged you, if you're out there and, and you're... You're wondering, is this for me? It's for you. It's for everybody. It's for the struggling saint just as much for the slimy sinner. <laughs> it's for anybody out there who you're in, you love what you do and you don't care. And it's also for people who love God so much, but occasionally you, you know you find yourself going back to old habits. But you you know it, it grieves you. You hate it, and you wish that you could get away from it. Just real quick, too. Paul in Romans seven knew exactly how you feel. This was Paul after the revelation, after Jesus came to him in a blinding light. And all of its glory. Uh, and Paul had a sin revival. He said, sin revived when I tried to keep the law again, and I died. He says, sin sprang up when I tried to keep the law, and I died. And he said it produced all kinds of evil in him. Evil desires. And so, 
it's a perfect example of a New Testament believer trying to go back, even if it's just in your thinking, going back and thinking, I got to do this, that, and the other to please God. What does that do? It destroys your confidence. It takes your eyes off of Jesus and back onto the waves and the storm of the ocean, and you begin to sink, just like Peter did. And the sinking could be uh, exemplified by you know sinning again or stumbling or whatever, or just doing something kind of carnal and fleshly, whatever it may be. So just remember, the message of Easter, keep your eyes on Jesus. Know that he completed the work for you. There's a new life, uh, a new existence, a new relationship for you to have with the Lord through what Jesus did for you. And tell yourself, too, when you when you go to God or when you need something, you could tell yourself, and I learned this from Roger Sapp and Jim Baker, and it goes like this, uh, this healing belongs to me because of what Jesus has done. Or you could swap it out for whatever you need. This confidence belongs to me because of what Jesus did. This peace belongs to me because of what Jesus did. This joy belongs to me because of what Jesus did, not because of what I do. So... Love y'all. Happy Easter. Remember, keep your confidence and hope and trust in him and know that he completed it for you so you can have the confidence of knowing that God does love you. He's forgiven you. He wants a relationship with you. And he sent Jesus to prove it all. Amen. Thanks, guys, for listening today. Thanks for joining me. And... I am recently involved in a network of podcasts called the Taco Cast Network. Huge shout out to Taco Man Supreme. You can check out Johnny Taco's podcast. He's a brother, a great guy, and uh, likes to interview uh, different Christian bands and just has a great show. So go check it out. And uh, we're part of the Taco Cast Network. And if you'd like to support the network or support us, Individually, feel free to look it up. Uh, Feel free to click the link in this description of this episode and support us. And you can also look up the TacoCast family of podcasts. And hope to catch you soon next time. God bless. And remember, if the sun has set you free, you are free indeed. Indeed.